0: Yeah, started off with typing, Tracy. Sorry. Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruins Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24/7 <laughs> Sports Network, Woo! and I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. He's hard at work. You can Woo! hear him in the background. He's typing away on his I'm I'm sure mechanical typewriter, judging by the uh, strength <laughs> of his fingers <laughs> on the keys. I'll send
1: you a photo of it. It's from
0: 1937. Yeah, uh, Tracy. It's Sunday morning, this is our third broadcast in three days, Um, but we just wanted to talk because it feels like so many things are happening at once, Um, and we're reporting the news as it comes, but we also, it's almost like we don't have time to come up for air and give our thoughts on things, and how it's going, and what we think of these candidates, um, and just kind of a general sense of the search right now, and also... We've done two broadcasts in the last two days and we have not talked about basketball one iota. So we wanted to give you the guys this because somebody brought it up on the message board. They're like, hey, did the did the basketball portion of the podcast get cut off? Uh, no, we've just been distracted. You so, did
1: say it was an emergency podcast. so that it was kind of an implied. emergency podcast. Yeah, uh, I mean, really, why we're doing this third one is you and I were talking this morning. We're laughing, having a good time, saying this is so much fun. I mean, why don't we just record this and make this podcast? This is kind of stupid because yeah. everyone want, is having fun right now.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I had to kick my kids out onto the street, but that's fine. No, oh, it's okay. That's I mean, where they, that's the where street, they right? learn. They get you know, street that's savvy. That's how they dodge cars,
1: right? Yeah, they learn how on. to do it. They need to know that. You, uh-huh. you, you're you too soft on them. Throw them out in the street with some steak.
0: It's true. True. Yeah. Raw steak. They got to find a way to cook it out there. Oh, yeah.
1: Not cooked. They got to find their own way to cook it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or digest it. Whatever. Yeah. yeah um speaking of raw steak we're getting a lot raw steak in the uh in the information universe here um so there's a lot going on we okay so we're gonna talk stock with start with coaching search we're gonna talk about that first because that's not first thing on people's mind we're gonna talk about basketball at the end okay so if you if you're just a basketball person you don't want to listen to this probably fast forward to like the last 15 minutes anyway um Uh, There's a lot going on. UCLA, so Friday morning, Chip Kelly announces he's gone. UCLA probably had a pretty strong inkling for a while and probably had an even stronger inkling for about 24 hours before that that this was happening. But happens Friday morning. UCLA begins interviewing, probably having initial conversations a little bit before that, begins interviewing process shortly thereafter, begins flying around to places after that and we've heard a lot of names at this point a ton of names and the information's kind of coming hot and heavy so some things getting you know a little garbled in translation but uh, general sense of the search is they're still in the interview stage i mean that's my my general sense of the search is that they are still pretty heavily in the interview stage and it yes they could identify somebody pretty quickly and then move pretty quickly on them but they're still vetting guys. Um, and it sounds like they're still having between initial conversations and second conversations with guys. Is that your general sense at this point?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely it. I, I think they did some zooms, uh, just to meet some people, you know, obviously Martin Jarman and even Josh Repuls are some guys that they had never met before. So they did some, uh, zooms. Uh, that's my understanding. And now they're on <laughs> the private plane tour, uh, flying around and it's it's so funny it was only a matter of time until you knew some bro sleuths started finding the plane it's amazing to me how easy that is to to track a yeah. plane it's it's really crazy um we're not absolutely certain that that plane tracker is actually martin jarman's plane but it looks it looks pretty likely um so, yeah, so that's what they've been doing. We've been told from UCLA sources they've talked to quite a few quite a few candidates. Um I don't know if that's just hype because they want to get it out there that they're they're doing their due diligence. Um Yeah, I, I mean it's probably it's it's too early to judge the search. Everyone loves to judge the quality of the search. Um And sometimes bad searches end up ultimately finding a good coach. Some kind. Sometimes good searches that you think were being done really well don't. Uh, so there's so many, there's so much randomness in this. Uh, but yeah, there have been discussions and yesterday as we put up, as things were happening, uh, updates, this, we, Dave and I were on our phones and we're hearing all this and we're gathering stuff from sources that uh, maybe aren't too reliable, and then some really reliable sources. And it's like Dave said, it's coming fast and furious. So, a quick review uh from enough sources, we thought Minnesota's PJ Fleck was kind of the leader in the clubhouse there for a while. uh If I, I'm not 100% certain, but if I'm going on pretty good information, that uh there had been contact between Fleck and UCLA before Chip Kelly, before the Chip Kelly announcement. Um, I know, (coughs) excuse me, from Minnesota sources, they were saying this one felt different. His name had been involved with other, uh, coach openings, but they, they thought this one felt different. They feel he's ready to leave. Um, uh, and has always had an affinity for UCLA. Uh, so there were some Minnesota sources that thought this was going to happen. Um, I always kind of was a little skeptical because I thought that $5 million buyout and the $7 million a year salary was going to be an issue. Uh, I don't know how it went down. Um, We do know that um, PJ Fleck was in conversation with uh, UCLA And then he sent out that tweet that said, okay, I'm great. I'm going to be elite returning to Minnesota. And now on with my vacation in Cabo San Lucas. So um, he's out. Um, I'd have to think if you remember back to the basketball search, uh, UCLA was on Jamie Dixon, TCU's head coach. He wanted to come. He had a sizable buyout and a pretty decent salary. And there were many complications. UCLA didn't want to foot the bill for the buyout. If the coach somehow, if Jamie Dixon had footed that that buyout, there were tax implications. They were trying to work it out. And it really just came down to Jamie Dixon wasn't willing to take all that financial hit to be the UCLA. I, it, literally, it would have been a financial hit to take the UCLA job. I'd have to think there was something similar going on with PJ Fleck. I, 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 from Minnesota sources, uh, I think he was assuming he'd at least get out of his UCLA, get him out of his buyout, and he'd probably make the same amount at UCLA that he would at Minnesota, at least, which was $7 million. And I don't think UCLA is prepared to do that. No. Uh, this is my speculation on what happened. I have a lot of information leading up to it uh, from people close to it. I don't know if this is it, but that's what I I believe. I would have to guess that's what happened with PJ Fleck and that then makes a, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go, go, go.
0: And it makes a lot of sense um, to look. I, I think um, there's people on our message board who are um, already, you know, calling the search a circus and all that kind of stuff. And it may very well turn out to be kicking the tires on a sitting head coach who might be interested is not a circus. That's doing your due diligence, seeing what's there, all that kind of stuff. Now you can quibble about whether they should have, they should waste time with somebody like that you can quibble whether he would have passed vetting and all that kind of stuff but i don't i I don't really have a problem with that i think right now you're hiring in february 1st I, i think um the one thing i think that's been like a slight misstep right now is publicly saying 96 hours for hiring the coach give me 96 hours there's no rush right now there's absolutely positively no rush Because no matter who you hire in 96 hours, that's on Tuesday. Wednesday when the portal opens, guys are going to enter. And if you hire the guy in four days or hire him in 14 days, they'll still have an opportunity to get that guy in a room with some of these guys and give him his pitch. Um, And again, 2024, probably not going to be a good season. So that's not really a major factor. It shouldn't be a major factor retaining you know, a few guys from this roster. So with all that, I I think doing due diligence, interviewing a PJ Fleck, interviewing other sitting head coaches, interviewing, just casting a wideish net and talking to guys here in February, when there is no other competition, there's nobody else who's looking at these guys for jobs right now because there's nothing open. So you're not under any kind of huge crunch, right? Except for that.
1: Yeah, the playbook, the eight, the athletic director playbook. I get it. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying, I'm just ex- you're right. I'm just explaining why they do it. Yeah, I, I mean it's very simple. To the public, you look like you're floundering around. If you take a long, a couple of weeks, everyone starts saying, "Oh, you don't know what you're doing." If you get it done quickly, it's it seems like the perception is that wow, they made they were very decisive. They made. You know, it took 96 sure. hours. Everything was great. So I mean, that's I, what they're going I, by.
0: Do I want this to continue forever because it's fun?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, do, I
0: ha- do I have an ulterior motive here? August.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could we keep this coaching search going indefinitely? Could it happen for the next year? Yes.
1: And, but- and, and Yeah. Here's the other thing, too. Uh, it's different now. Um, we are privy to so much information that's coming out of these searches. So it looks more circusy. Like, what are they doing that for? What are the, what, why would they talk to this guy? I mean, if you're an athletic director, you're going to talk to a lot of guys. I mean, you can talk. That's what you're there to do. But all these little details are coming out. So people say, what? And I've even said it. Why would they talk to, you know, Brett Brennan? You know, of, uh, I get it uh, that it it, now, remember when Dan Guerrero, after a few times of these searches and everything leaked, then he, he had, (laughs) He had an athletic department uh edict. Um, No leaks. If you leak, you're in trouble. So mm-hmm. remember the last few, it was a real crackdown. Remember the whole yeah. Alford thing?
0: Yeah.
1: We didn't hear about Alford until at the very end.
0: The night before. The night yeah. before the announcement. Yeah.
1: And and we thought that was a lie. Um, no, no. We no thought, that we can't thought it be
0: was true. A, we thought it was a cruel joke. Yes. A cruel joke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or a lie. I, I thought something had to be who, lying who to me. Who did
0: that come from? That was... um
1: I know who that came from. Yeah, you I'm going to give him huge props. Um, that was Don McLean.
0: Yeah, Don, Don Mc
1: McLean actually. had it early, and I I knew he was telling people that that was going to happen, and I I heard it, and I I don't think I could process it at the
0: time.
1: <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, so this is how this this is the process. So that was PJ Fleck yesterday. We heard that um, Tommy Reese, the 31-year-old former offensive coordinator at uh, Alabama, former former Notre Dame uh, quarterback. I'm not going to say former brother, current brother of uh, UCLA wide receiver Danny Reese, and the son of Bill Reese, who was, uh, you know, I don't know what his exact title A was. Talent-
0: a talent acquirer for you Yeah, to help and
1: I, I'm going to tell you this. I don't have any inside information to the Reese family, but back when I first started this job, I went to games with Bill Reese. Uh, we went to go see Deshaun Foster play in Tustin. And and here's one. If Bill hears this, he's probably going to get mad at me. Um, he was a little skeptical about Deshaun Foster when we saw him. His top-end speed. He was a little skeptical about it. Which was right. I never remember John yeah, Foster. Um would run so, through
0: you though. Would would what would he run would, through yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we saw that game he had like 290 yards for Tustin too, and he ran like seven times. I don't know. Um anyway, so uh Tommy Reese, um current he took the job as the tight ends coach at where was that? Where was Brown. the Browns? Um we had, we've heard a lot of information that he was definitely in the running for the offensive coordinator position at Ohio State. Um and we know he's very interested from what in the UCLA job. We know UCLA is interested. Yesterday there was a there was a lot of people who were telling me, wow, Tommy Reese, that there's a lot of buzz about Tommy Reese. That was kind of midday. Then later in the day, we heard there was then buzz about Tony White. Uh, the former UCLA linebacker, who's been a defensive coordinator at uh, various places—San Diego State, Arizona State, Syracuse, and now Nebraska for a year. Uh, so that's the way yesterday went. I'm—I don't know if maybe we'll hear some today. I think it might be a little bit more quiet because of Super Bowl. Um,
0: so I want to but, talk about—I want to talk about Tony White because. Okay. Um, Let's talk about Tony White. This is some people have been asking us on the message board because we've been pretty pro Tony White. Um we
1: haven't been that pro. I mean, we haven't come out and endorsed him publicly. I first
0: mentioned him in November as hey, this job might be created so much that you need a former alum and or not a former alum, an alum, and he he makes sense because he's a you know a sitting coordinator who's pretty good. Um, and Brandon has obviously uh been uh Pro Tony White on our message board. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: So a lot of it has been branded.
0: Yeah, I but I do wanna I, I wanna I wanna make it clear to everyone why this makes sense. So first, um there's non-Tony White related realities um that I think need to be made pretty clear. UCLA as a job is not at the level it was when Chip Kelly was hired. Um there's been a lot of infrastructure screw ups mostly caused by chip kelly but they are now realities for ucla the fan base is at its lowest point in i don't know recent memory uh donations are at their lowest point in recent memory nil which is a new thing follows along with that where it's way behind market peers it's it's in a really really bad state of being the next coach, and we've talked about this as like a generality, but the next coach needs to bring a ton of energy, but also needs to embrace UCLA and embrace the tradition, embrace the fans, embrace all of this stuff at a level that, and I'm just, this is not me. I'm not, I I was not a fan of the Rick Neuheisel hire. I was not a fan of the Carl Durrell hire, but having it be somebody who has an affinity and a tie in some way to UCLA as a good institution of athletics, as something that is a football power right now might be borderline a necessity because doing this with an outsider, look, I'm not sure even at this stage that Martin Jarman has a full understanding of look, fans expect a certain thing from UCLA because in living memory, it was that thing. Um, And a former player from that era would have a better understanding of that. So that's one two he makes sense like look there's a lot of um we've talked about this again in generalities but like getting a coordinator who has some upside that you don't have to break the bank to get makes sense he's well thought of he uh put put out i think nebraska's again best defense in seven years this past season he runs that kind of rocky long 335 that everyone has fond memories of from 97 uh he's makes sense like is he the hottest up-and-comer coordinator on the market? No. But is he in that top 10, top 15? Sure. All these are upside plays. No coordinator is a sure thing. Fine. On top of that, everything I know of him personally will bring the energy, will bring the, like, the, the necessary recruiting, the necessary uh, drive to do all of that kind of gritty infrastructure work that needs to happen. And yeah, could it not work out? Absolutely. But the thing is, and this is the theory that we've been positing for a long time, higher and if it doesn't work in in three to four years, give yourself enough flexibility that you can move on easily. So I think Tony White checks a lot of boxes. There's a few guys on this list, I think, who check some boxes. I think Tommy Reese could check those boxes as well. But I think Tony White, given that he's had successful experience as a coordinator, I'm not... I'm not too sold on Tommy Reese's offenses. And frankly, Notre Dame and Alabama did not seem too happy with him as their offensive coordinator. So I don't know about that one. Tony white doing it at Nebraska where Nebraska has been a struggle fest for many, many years plays a little bit for me. And he's got a little bit more recruiting experience starting at kind of a low level at San Diego state recruiting California. And then he's been a really solid recruiter at a multiple stops now. So that's the case for Tony White. It's not like I think he's going to come in and go 10 and two in his first season. It's not that. It's I think he could build the right infrastructure. And I think there's upside potential that it could work out. And there's more than just like, oh, yeah, it might work out. It's there's some there's some bones here. There's some bones here of a of a potentially very successful coach. It's just not fleshed out. You don't know it for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk more about that. Um sure. Uh, we've made a point always, I think we've made it even recently, that it would be really nice if UCLA hired a coach that they were hiring him and his most immediate job was as a sitting head coach. Yeah. because <laughs> just never done that. I, I, when? Name one guy. When was the last? Tommy Prothro? I don't know. In be, football?
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Um, okay, let's just yeah. go back through it. Chip Kelly was in a TV studio. Jim Morrow was in a TV studio. Rick Neuheisel was a Baltimore Ravens quarterbacks coach. Carl Durrell was a Denver Broncos wide receivers coach. Bob Toledo was on staff. Terry Donahue was on staff. Dick Vermeil was on staff. Yeah, dude. I think we're going back to Tommy Prothrow. Tommy Prothrow. Um,
1: yeah. So I, I think that is really – I think that would be a key element. I don't see any – guy. I, Comp- the guys who would be candidates right now um, at this time in February, uh, this is the thing, too. To get a sitting coach who's making good money, got pay, um, and who's about to launch into spring practice a year, uh, a month from now, uh, UCLA is not going to be uh, They're not. – they're probably not going to do it out of loyalty because if they're getting paid a lot, that means they're relatively successful where they are. Um, so they're not probably going to ditch out on the existing program where they are. And then you say, you would have to pay a lot. So there's no ideal sitting coach, the guy I would like. And I, if he were anywhere west of the Mississippi would be Jason candle. Um, I like his resume. I like the type of coach he is. I like, uh, uh, I like the team he puts on the field. Um, he only makes one point. million at Toledo, uh, he's got a little bit of that Midwest kind of thing that we all have come to love about Mick Cronin and John Wooden. Uh, so, but he's not, I haven't heard his name. I've heard his name mentioned a little, but not really involved. Don't know if he's, if they've spoken to him, don't know if that, um, ball has been pushed down the road at all. Um, I think mostly because there's no connection there. He's not, he's not a West coast coach. So that would be the type of guy I, I would prioritize. Um, maybe the closest on the West coast is Barry Odom, UNLV's head coach. Uh, I I mean, he's, he was a head coach at, uh, Arkansas. Correct. Mm -hmm. Is
0: it Arkansas? No, 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 Missouri, Missouri, Missouri,
1: Missouri, Missouri. Sorry. He was the DC at Arkansas. Um, uh, mixed results, uh, on all of his stops had, had a good year last year. I mean, a decent year last year, nine and five at UNLV, their first winning year, uh, more than seven wins in, I don't know, 30 years. So, uh, but does he really excite me? I mean, what he, uh, he would bring possibly his offensive coordinator, who is considered like this young genius, Brendan Marion to the, probably with him doesn't excite me that much to the point where i think being a sitting head coach is that important here so if you can find someone else i'm i'm on it i mean justin wilcox doesn't really excite you troy taylor from stanford these are not exciting exciting hires that are sitting coaches like you said what UCLA needs right now um and it's not just because we're coming off a of chip kelly who didn't embrace UCLA and UCLA didn't embrace him and never really bought in to the whole UCLA culture and uh, the program, the school. Um, it's not just a reaction like why Tony white would be attractive because he's an alum. He obviously has a lot of pride in UCLA want would want to work hard just because it's his school, but it also is a new era of NIL. Yeah. And that's the biggest key here. You need to go into, uh, you need to meet with a ton of donors. You need to golf with them. You need to take them out to drinks. You need to schmooze donors. Tony White already knows a bunch of the donors that he would be talking to. Um, it. He's got an advantage from that standpoint that he could sell UCLA better than probably anyone else on this list in the era of NIL um if we he is a very good I'm not going to salesman has a bad connotation he he was a uh, multiple time best recruiter of the year uh in in his conference he knows how to sell a program um selling his own program yeah uh, that is really compelling when you think about that with NIL Um, let's say you put him together with, uh, Jerry Neuheisel and they head up the NIL program, uh, with donors, the thought of those two Bruins trying to, what they're trying to do is sell, is sell UCLA. You're selling just not the program you're invest in your school, invest in, uh, UCLA players. I don't know if you could think of two more available guys right now that you would entrust with that.
0: Yeah, so, it, it, the, the, it, and this is maybe the critical point because people keep saying, they keep bashing with the, like, oh, well, you're just saying to hire alums. Like, um, and it, it's, the landscape has changed. It's changed, like, that's the, the thing. The IL. landscape of college football has changed. It never made sense to hire Carl Durrell because he was an alum. And also, uh, I think everyone's understanding of UCLA's place in the universe should have changed in the last six years because the theory of the case, and no. Like when we would say UCLA recruits itself, we didn't mean literally, but we did mean there is some inherent like juice that UCLA has. Like it's in LA, it's got this stuff. You need to recruit at like a minimum level. Like every recruiting staff has been able to work a little bit less hard at UCLA because it's easier to recruit. The problem is Chip Kelly did not recruit. And we saw the realities of that, which is, oh, wait no, no, no. UCLA does not recruit itself. You absolutely need to have somebody selling this thing. And it's been six years of that now. So it's it's six years of not building those relationships, of not building those connections, of all that kind of stuff. On top of that, a staff not selling UCLA the way UCLA has historically been sold. It's been sold like it's Indiana. So you have all of that. And then on top of that, you've got the NIL concerns that uh, Tracy just laid out where you need to get donor investment, and donors are are older. Donors are in their 50s and 60s and 70s. Like, the people who are well-moneyed and well healed, they're in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. They remember when UCLA was really good. You need somebody who can pitch them that and not, hey, we won eight games three years in a row. Nobody who paid attention to UCLA in the late 90s or the 80s or the 70s gives a shit about eight wins in three <laughs> straight years. They want to know, how are you going to compete for Rose Bowls? guy like Tony White can sell that. guy like Jerry Neuheisel is an alum who can sell that because his dad will nonstop brag about his Rose Bowls to his son. So you've got those guys. So there's a reason ASU went with an alum. There's a reason Arizona went with a guy who is almost borderline an alum, even though he went to UCLA because his first job was at Arizona. There's a reason a lot of schools are kind of dialing back, going outside, and maybe going internal. Because you need somebody who can sell the unique properties of a school. So that's that's why things have changed a little bit. The and, landscape has changed.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned Carl Durrell. Because what in the context of what you just said, you just don't hire someone because they're an alum. Carl Durrell would not, he's an alum. And he would not make sense, like the no. Carl Durrell we don't know now. But the Carl Durrell then would still not make sense to hire Carl Durrell. Being an alum would be one check, but it's also whether you're a good recruiter, you're a good salesman, whether you're personable, which is not Carl Durrell. No, I mean, you need the combination of both. I mean, you've heard Jerry Neuheisel speak on camera. I mean, Jerry Neuheisel is a walking articulate billboard for UCLA. Oh yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. Tony White is similar very similar if you speak to him and it's all and the thing is it's genuine it, you might not you might not believe it but there are people out there even though we've all been beaten down by UCLA football there are people who love UCLA football and Tony White's one of them so yeah. but he's got the personality recruiter of the year multiple times uh, i don't i can't guarantee he'll do really well in NIL and i don't want anyone coming back to me if he gets the hire Saying, "Oh, you were wrong," I don't. I'm now, right now, trying to put some uh, evidence together to make what I think would be a call. And on on that front, I think he checks the boxes when it comes to NIL and recruiting. We There's no
0: yeah. There's no sure thing at this point. There just yeah. isn't, and th- there never is. But there especially isn't in February. And, there and, were sure things available in November, but UCLA missed that window.
1: Here's the other thing, and I'm not just spe- uh, specifically talking about Tony White. Um, I I like it when a coordinator comes in who's had a lot of success as a coordinator because you have confidence that he's at least going to nail down one side of the ball. Correct. I mean, again, we're speculating and, but we're using evidence as opposed to a longtime head coach who might've been like, let's use PJ Fleck. He was an offensive coach, wide receiver coach, but his reputation in around Minnesota, and I'm not giving this up. This isn't news. He's not an X's and O's guy. He is. He is the CEO head coach, the raw, raw kind of guy. That's who he is. So you bring him in and he's gotta hire two coordinators. It's it's a crapshoot if either if you are getting a good scheme on either side of the ball. If you bring in an existing coordinator, what did Dillingham do this year?
0: Right? He brought in a coordinator and screwed up for his first three games. And then as soon as he took over the offense, things got better.
1: There you go. I, I, that's a lesson <laughs> don't automatically think you're a head coach do what brung you and that's nailed down that side of the ball that's what you should do if you are a coordinator becoming a head coach that doesn't mean you don't uh, name a coordinator but you work with that coordinator make sure you get done what you know to get done tony white has a good resume as a defensive coordinator everywhere he's gone someone um a poster put up these stats and and if i could find him i'd find him that everywhere he's gone from first san diego state arizona state um syracuse and and now nebraska the defense has improved and sometimes dramatically so there's a good chance with tony white that half that side of the ball is going to be have a good scheme here's the other thing too so that's half the side of the ball Um uh, I'm not saying Tony White, but I would like to see a coach who would come in and I am i don't know about you guys. I got to think you're on my side here. I am so tired between Chip Kelly and I'll just tell you Jim Mora of coaches who are using their agent in the leverage to try to eke out a little. I know it's their job and that's what they're doing and I don't really begrudge the coach for trying to get as much money as he could. But from our standpoint, when there isn't a great, incredible, uh, you know, if you're going to the college football playoffs, oh my God, I'd be on the coach's side. Get as much money as you can. But we haven't had that. These coaches who have been out to just improve their contract every offseason, I'm tired of that crap. I really am. I want to see a coach who projects, who projects a feeling that I really don't care about money. I don't care about salary. I want to win. Have you, have you ever heard Mick Cronin? Have we ever sensed that Mick Cronin is out for money? Have you ever seen Mick Cronin? Has his name floated that much? But sometimes when his name is floated for Louisville, it's quickly shut down. That's not a coincidence. He's, he doesn't do that leverage crap. He doesn't care that much about money. Sorry, Mick, I'm probably screwing up your negotiating tactics, but He's here to win. That's what he wants to do. And if he wins, he knows the money will take care of itself. Someone like Tony White or a coordinator isn't going to try to make a big cash grab right here. They're going to, they're going to be fine with a decent salary. And then I'd like to see that there's a, one of these coordinators that said, I want to give up at some of the whole salary pool because I want to go out and get one of the best offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators or whatever opposite side of the ball you're not locking down to really get us two great schemes on both sides of sides of the ball. I'm really confident. And I'll just, this is my endorse One of my endorsements to Tony white is that he would do that. Yeah. I don't think he gives a, again, I'm probably screwing up his negotiating leverage. I don't think he cares about money. He just, he's a coordinator. He wants to be a head coach. He wants to win and he's not going to try to get as much money as he can. And this is the type of coach I think he still needs now. He's not going to try to get as much money as he can in that first contract. I, I want someone who wants to u- allocate that money to win. And that's get elite coordinators.
0: Yeah. And it, it uh, there is an element where this is just response. It, we're not just responsive, but this is responsive to Chip Kelly. And it's not just that Chip Kelly neglected the infrastructure of the program and neglected fundraising and all that kind of stuff. It's that he truly didn't give a shit about UCLA. Um, and clearly did not care about the fan base, did not care about any of the stuff that look, people denigrate UCLA's traditions and all that kind of stuff, but like, you can't just thumb your nose at the fan base in perpetuity and also not win and expect people to keep coming back. Um, and the new coach, and this is again, something where it helps to have somebody who has some connection the new coach needs to invite fans to spring practice and make it fun make it something where they don't feel like they're spying on the program where they're not yelled at for bringing out their phones when they're standing on lot 8 uh like invite like a selection of fans like here's a lottery you get to watch it from the veranda at Wasserman Center 100 fans every single game just general fans off the street not even donors just you get to come watch spring practice from from an actual like comfortable place to watch it. Um, You get to stand on the Luskin center uh, patio rather than standing in lot eight, like do that sort of stuff, open up fall camp again, let fans come to that. Um, And I I love the idea of doing it in San Bernardino again, because that was uh, awful, but at the same time, kind of fun Uh, do that. But do stuff that like helps to engage fans. Make the spring game something that you're marketing for a long time, that the head coach is marketing for a long time. Try to get fans there and use it as a major fundraising opportunity. Get fans excited and there and try to get a lot of juice flowing from that game. Um, there is Cal- so- Cal
1: Lou, Dave. I think that's where- Fall camp should be it would be Calu. you 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 wanted Calou
0: because that's in your backyard Tracy. oh you know it was there before I remember that was uh, great but there's I guess my point is an alum or somebody who has some connection to UCLA's even recent past is going to be able to nail those things a lot easier than somebody who doesn't have that connection Jim Mora was kind of a unicorn in his first three years in that He locked in on a lot of stuff that needed to happen. But here's what I know about Jim Mora. As he was being hired, he was calling people associated with UCLA and getting the lowdown, getting everything he needed to know to hit the ground running. He got lowdown on assistant coaches. He got lowdown on all the stuff that needed to happen to get people pumped up about the program. That's something that I think a guy like Tony White has inherently. And also Tony White will show a willingness to do um that it's it's critically important at this stage like if it was six years ago i would not be saying this but at this stage of ucla's football program it's critical it's mission critical this that that's a part that needs to happen because the fan base is in dire 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 straits and unless the fan base comes back you're, you're you're trying to shore things up with without any of the foundation Fan base needs to come back yeah. because that's the way money comes back. And when uh, money I, comes back, recruiting comes back.
1: Yeah, I want to really hit these points. But before we do, too, when we are talking about um, uh, coaches not playing the situation for leverage, you know, um, we wrote about Brett Brennan, the Arizona head coach. Brent. Is, you know, Brent make, sure, sorry. make
0: sure you nail the Brent because Brent. His, name, his name is insanely stupid. I, I actually Brent- – I actually said it. I just kind
1: of swallowed it. Brett Brennan. um, We mentioned him. uh, He's been on the job for uh, uh, a month at Arizona. We mentioned him because, uh, you know, I'm apologizing to Arizona fans. He, believe me, there were conversations with the UCLA's administration. There were. I'm giving, we're giving him a ton of credit. He didn't. He didn't get out there and play this up for a few weeks or a few days. I no, mean, he told them to f off. And- he shut it down. Yeah. And we even wrote early, from what we know of Brent Brennan, because he is he is a Bruin, uh, and we do know about him. Is that he's a loyal guy? And I even wrote very early on. They're probably they're going to contact him, and they did. And I am pretty confident he's going to shut this down because he's too loyal. He's not going to turn around in a month and dump Arizona. So Arizona fans, we're talking good. This is all good, dude. We're talking, we're talking good stuff about your coach where he's, he's opting to stay. This is a badge of honor for him. This makes him even more desirable as a coach that he did this. So uh, you should be, you should be grateful to us that we're, giving your coach this publicity
0: well yeah and like a bunch of arizona people I, I i love them they're they're just so fun uh saying we're just making this up and i'm like what is our incentive like what what would possibly be our incentive because first brent brennan was never going anywhere ever w- would never have happened not in a million years was he going to dip out on arizona after a month on the job and he even when, wrote it's a waste of time his wife is an arizona alum He is like, I I would think like he's a UCLA alum. So of course he would try to have a conversation because he, you know, might think I owe that to my alma mater to at least, you know, give him a, you know, uh, a no in, in with my actual voice. But, uh, he he wasn't going to do that to Arizona. Um, Tucson is probably much more his home these days than LA ever was. So, uh, that never made any sense. So, and like, Again, we've, we've talked a lot about UCLA's position in the world. It, it, like p- Hurting Arizona's recruiting relative to UCLA is not in any way a priority right now. Uh, it's not something that UCLA needs to even be thinking about. This is a thing that happened, and it happened where Brent Brennan said, yeah, no thanks. Almost immediately. And you should feel good about that. Yes, because very much. Look, any head—he rejected has, his alma mater. Any head, coach, a, any head coach is going to have a conversation when uh, yeah. uh, when their alma mater specifically comes calling, and he told them no thanks. Almost immediately, like this was what by yesterday morning, and really the search, quick. The Shut started, it down fast. The search started Friday morning, so um, that's that's all a good thing, not a bad thing for you. And I know it's hard to understand things, so just wanted to make that clear. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good thing for your program. Um, I feel good about that.
1: Yes. Uh, talking more about the different atmosphere and the different landscape of, of college sports, but we're talking about college football right now. Um, you know. This is all related, and I this is related to the UCLA coaching search. We hear so often that college coaches are now disillusioned with college football because of the transfer portal and the NIL. And I I get that. It's a whole different responsibility and skill set. You're working year-round now. But you know what? Tough crap, man. I mean, this is your new job description. You now have to be a fundraiser. So many older coaches, you know what? And wow, I don't, now that I'm talking about this, I'm going to talk positively about Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is an X's and O's guy. What he wants to do is coach football. He just wants to get a whiteboard and, and draw plays and, have his little seminar and talk about offensive football. That's what he wants to do. So many things about being a, a head coach he did not want to do. And it was all longtime recruiting and, and donor uh, uh, donor engagement and now NIL. He doesn't want to do that. He got out because he doesn't want to do that. But he is an actual real coach. There are head coaches who are not X's and O's guy guys. They're just not right? They are the CEO. They oversee. They're the raw, raw, PJ Flex of the world. Um, and I'm not saying PJ Flex this way. I'm just saying he's an example. But if they're grumbling now about Transfer Portal and NIL, oh my God, you're not an X's nose guy. You're not like drawing up a whole uh, playbook. You have nothing else to do. I'm sorry it cut into your vacation time. You now have a new Job responsibility, and that's raising NIL money. Get your ass out there and do it and stop grumbling. You're getting paid a lot of money. Yep. And this is the new part of it. And you are not an X's and O's guy anyway. So just do it. So this whole thing drives me nuts. So in relation to the UCLA coaching search, you find someone who embraces this, who says, Yeah, this is my future. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat this alive. This is, I'm, I'm eating here. Yeah. That's what you need. Not anyone who would have even a slight sense that, oh, I'm, my job, you know, is so much more now with transfers and and, uh, get over yourself. This is
0: the job description. And learn to golf or at least something adjacent. Or, or go to bars and drink. Yeah. One of the two, uh, you need to either, uh, have a good liver or a good golf game. Not even a good golf game. Just know how to swing a club. Yeah. Take some lessons. Uh, so, who else? New head, what coach, other, new head coach? Take some lessons.
1: What other candidates? I mean, that's kind of about where we are. By the time you publish this, something else could bubble up.
0: Um, yeah, I mean the Troy Taylor thing. Um, I, I, that's got that feels like due diligence to me. Um, I can't, I can't fathom that that would be the option that they end up choosing. Um, that would be in the candidacy of you know sitting head coaches who are middle tier. But there's nothing about that that's exciting.
1: Uh, and let's go down this tom herman i've i've continued to hear his name mentioned but i haven't heard that they spoke to him yeah there's that i have not heard anything on david shaw thank god i, I mean it sounds like we've been it feels like we've been in this search for a long time you would
0: be looking for another person to do this site with you tracy If it's David <laughs> Shaw,
1: i haven't heard anything about matt campbell except mentioned uh initially um Justin Wilcox, haven't heard anything except mentioned initially. Uh, Haven't heard that uh, UCLA reached out and spoke to him. I did hear that uh, Brian Hartline, the offensive coordinator, the former offensive coordinator from Ohio State, I guess he – I don't know what his title is now. um, That uh, there was an intention to speak with him. I don't know if they did. Uh, I haven't heard that they spoke to Barry Odom. We already talked to him, have not heard that they spoke to Dan Lynn. Uh, I have. Okay. So we reported that Chris Horton had been interviewed, but I retracted that. Uh, Formal interviews have not happened with Chris Horton. There has been discussion through intermediaries. That's from really good sources. That's as far as that's gone. I think he'd like to interview. Oh, he'd like to interview. He'd want the job in a flash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I think if we're, when we're talking, I liked Chris at UCLA, I, I think he's a good guy and he's a potential uh, head coach, coach somewhere. I don't, if we're talking about hiring guys who aren't, uh, sitting head coaches and coordinators, he might be a little inexperienced
0: compared to others. He needs to, he needs to bake a little bit longer. Um, he's, he
1: could be really good.
0: Uh, I, I, mean, I think I think he will be in the full. A lot of the a, a lot of the things we said about the other guys, he has. And to be a special teams coordinator for John Harbaugh in the NFL means he knows his stuff. Um, so I think he will be good. I think he. What I would like to see, if you're going to hire a coordinator, coordinator with college experience. And co- Chris Horton's last college experience was as a quality control guy for UCLA in the first two years of Mora. That's not nothing, but it isn't a lot. Um, And his last 10 years have been in the NFL. So that's something where I would be a little leery of. He'd be down my list when you're going into the uh, alum or UCLA connection category. So
1: I'm going to finish this off because I have a new name, but I just want to say one thing. Pete Carroll, I have not heard it mentioned among any reputable sources. That might be just a whole media fabrication. If If I hear it, I'll let you know. I mean, I'm not anti-Pete Carroll. Well, I am, but that's not going to inhibit my ability to report what I hear legitimately. I haven't heard anything. I will say this, and I have to add this to the list, and it's not on it yet. Overnight and then this morning, even as we are on this podcast, that Eric Bianami should be added to our list. Um, That I don't know if he's interviewed, but I know there has been contact. So Eric Biannimi.
0: That's a. That's what do you think, nope. Dave? That's a nope for me. Okay. Uh, full NFL experience, and there's a reason he isn't. He's not well liked, um, and it's uh, there's there's some history there. Um, he wasn't a full time play caller until very recently. Um, yes, he comes from the Andy Reid tree, but he wasn't until very recently. The Commanders didn't retain him. Um I don't know there, there'd be a lot of red flags there for me in the vetting process that you would have to get past and it doesn't seem like any NFL teams are getting past it and he's also not being retained as an offensive coordinator. So I would have concerns there if I was looking at him
1: um I I've heard those things too, but Eric Banamy does have a soft spot because, he is the author of the very classic anti-USC rant. That's true. He
0: Can I do don't that.
1: even remember. Do you remember the exact wording of the rant? I mean, no. it was it was in a UCLA recruiting meeting for the staff. And the legendary story goes he basically said F those guys from across <laughs> across town. Yeah. F them. F them. F them, and that horse that they rode in on. F that horse. The whole thing. it just went on this rant, which has become legendary status.
0: Well, and also a true legend because he chose Colorado over USC out of uh, out of high school as well. Yes. Um, which you know that counts. Um, okay. Well, that's another name. Um, I'm sure we'll write more about that in the uh, coming moments. Um, we got to talk a little bit of basketball though, Tracy. Basketball before, before I let you go and start writing some stuff. Um, okay. UCLA uh, continues to win. Uh, they beat. We didn't talk about Stanford. We didn't talk about Cal. Uh, but Stanford, they won mostly thanks to hot shooting. Um, I would say they didn't play well in a lot of other aspects of the game, but they shot the lights out uh, on Wednesday night. Beat Stanford, but then yesterday shot horribly against Cal, but still won because they did basically everything else very, very well. They defended uh, at a great level. They uh, executed the offense, even if they weren't hitting shots. They only had two turnovers in the second half when they weren't shooting well at all, and they rebounded the offensive glass. It was kind of the quintessential Cronin win, and don't let Cal's record fool you. That is a much, much, much better team than the one that came into Poly and beat UCLA. In early january this is a that's a that's a pretty decent cal team now um so to go into their gym and beat them that was a great win ucla is now 13 and 11 8 and 5 in the pac-12 which means they are in the top four not even in a tie anymore in the pac-12 they're tied with oregon for uh, third or fourth place in the league behind um behind washington state and arizona so, UCLA is very much in the thick of the conference race, which is an insane thing to say <laughs> to yourself from a month ago. Yes. Baffling. Baffling.
1: I mean, we thought about it. You know, there were signs when you, they, after Utah, they beat Washington, the Arizona State. They, they should have beaten Arizona. They played them tough. So, you started thinking, what if they go on a little bit of a roll? And now Five this is, great official, this is officially a role yes. you can say. Um, so now you're starting before you didn't run. I mean, we kind of threw it out. What would be their NCAA tournament chances? And pretty much you came up with they've, they've got to win out and do decently in the PAC 12 tournament or win the PAC 12 tournament.
0: Yeah. That's um, it.
1: And that's still it. And that's still it, but it's getting closer to that not being it, David, they win a few more, and
0: uh, they've just got too many terrible things in their early resume. The, what it would take is a soft argument, like it would have to be somebody standing on the table in the committee room and saying, "No, no, no, we need to look at their last twenty games or whatever it is." Okay, because let's
1: let's do this. They're they're thirteen and eleven. They're eight and five in right. conference, right? So let's say, if let's they, say they realistically, let's say they beat the two mountain schools at at home uh, this coming weekend, and then they beat uh, USC. Then they beat USC, split in in Washington, um, and then let's even say a split, uh, a split uh, at home to finish the season. Then they the absolutely
0: have to win the Pac-12 tournament. Okay. Let's say the they beat both some, Arizonas. Yeah.
1: So their that, only loss, le, remaining loss, is a split in Washington.
0: If they go 19 and 12, I think the odds that somebody stands on the table for UCLA is going to go up.
1: And um, all they probably need, uh, they'll be they they'll definitely to be top four, but win a couple.
0: Yeah, they got to win a couple and they got to yeah. get to the title game.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's getting to the point where they don't have to. W- there's the possibility out there that they don't have to win the Pac-12 championship.
0: Yeah, so here's what I would I mean, the Pac-12
1: tournament, sorry.
0: Here's what I would say. If they finished, uh, what would that be? So they would go six and one and then two and one. So they would be 21 and 13 with the losses at Washington State and then let's say Arizona in the Pac-12 title game. That's not a tournament resume. Like they would have a resume of a team that's on the wrong side of the bubble most years. What it would require is somebody saying, "Okay, guys, this is a different team in the last half of the season than it was at the beginning. Do we need to reward that? Do we need to say, hey, this is a really young team. Let's let them in as a play in game and let's see what happens with them, because we might be leaving out one of the better teams in the country.
1: And and here's the other thing, too. Here's the other. um, They win the Pac-12 championship, but don't win the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, that would be a compelling so argument finish... to go along standing up on the table and saying we should let these guys
0: in. If they go six and one, there's a decent chance they win the Pac-12 doing it as long as one of those wins is against Arizona. Because it's right. not right. Arizona just swept the mountain schools, which were probably two of their uh, best Tougher remaining game. chances to lose. Yeah, But this team is capable of losing. Um, they could lose that ASU if ASU shoots well. Like there's we're not too far from uh, Arizona losing on the road at Oregon state. Um, So this is, I mean, they lost, they lost at Stanford. So they're not like a juggernaut and they've been prone to some lapses, but they are playing well of late. I think to, to have a really good shot of winning the league, they need to sweep out like they need to win the final seven. Um, And then if here's the thing, I, I think this team team is capable right now of sweeping the final seven. Um, I think the toughest probably remaining games are at Wazoo and Arizona at home. But the other ones, like if you just if you didn't use the analytics from the beginning part of the season, I think they'd be favored in every other game if it was like just real. Um, So
1: that road trip to the mountain schools, that was really strong for Arizona. Yeah, that really was because their remaining schedule. I mean, they're at UCLA and let's talk about let's talk about USC in a moment. They're uh, they're at Arizona. Uh, well, you could have like that, you know, half court heave <laughs> from yeah. ASU, but uh, more than likely they'll be fav- not more than likely they'll be favored in all their remaining away games.
0: They'll be favored in every remaining game by probably at least 10. Um, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they can't lose some of those, but all their toughest games are behind them. Right. Um, so that's an issue. Um, but let's,
1: this would be the thing. Maybe they slip up against Washington State in Tucson, right? So that kind of cracks the door. Then UCLA keeps winning and beats Arizona in poly. Now we're talking there's there's something to work with there.
0: Arizona needs to lose at least two more times for UCLA to even get a tiebreaker. So they need that win, but then Arizona needs to lose another one at least. And they might even need to lose two to get a real tiebreaker like to to actually because i think the tiebreaker would almost certainly go arizona's way um i I don't know the tiebreaker rules but they would probably have a lot of leg up on ucla
1: Uh, you know and i'm i'm doing this again um if you guys haven't been to a game at poly yet this upcoming schedule colorado and utah are good those are going to be good games um usc february 24th will
0: be a fun bloodbath
1: Oh, you only hope. You only that's the way it's looking right now. Uh, did you Did you watch the the? Um, yeah,
0: yeah. They lost wow. by thirty one.
1: They were off by thirty one, and there were there was some dissension on that team. Players like openly arguing with each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got a thread, an ongoing, multiple thread about the chemistry on that USC team, and it's starting to blow. Let me just um, tell
0: you a coaching. Uh, let me let me give you a coaching um little snapshot on January 6th, 2024. Uh, USC was eight and seven and had just finished sweeping the Bay Area schools. On January 6th, 2024, UCLA was six and nine and had just finished getting swept by the Bay Area schools. Since then. Uh, UCLA is seven and two. And since then USC is you got it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one and eight since then. So they are now nine and 15 after being eight and seven and UCLA is 13 and 11 after being six and nine.
1: That's so, coaching. Yeah, that's coaching. And I, UCLA fans, some great games this week, uh this coming week, but Colorado and Utah. Utah, let's you want to get your blood boiling a little? Last time we saw the Utes, 46 points, guys. Do you have any other motivation to go out to Poly Pavilion uh, uh in a week? And wow, root for UCLA to get revenge against Utah. I, I can't think of it. And then USC the next week. And then they go on the road, but then they come back Arizona on that Thursday, March 7th. And if they're on a roll, that Arizona State game on that Saturday will be huge. Start buying tickets, man. Yeah, You guys, you guys got to get out to UCLA games.
0: The Utah game is the last game on the revenge tour. So Oregon, they lost by five, beat them by eight. Stanford, they lost by six, beat them by eight. Cal, they lost by nine, beat them by one. Utah's the last one. Utah they lost by 46. Um this team isn't going to lose by 46. They're I I would I would say they'll probably be favored. So, uh get out there, got to scream your head off. Um Utah had a great home court advantage. UCLA has to have a great home court advantage in that game. That one's on Sunday. Colorado's on Thursday. These should both be well-attended games. So, we made this call to action for what was it? Which game was it? Was it uh, Oregon? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do another. We, we, we need you out there. So uh, February 15th, February 18th, get out to poly Watch those games. It could be a celebration too. If you're a football fan and you don't really pay attention to basketball, I, I wouldn't put it past UCLA to have a coach announced and coming out on the floor for those games. Um, that's usually the uh, the operation. So could be a could be a bit of a party at Polly. so get out there yeah okay then all right you want to get back to uh hitting the phones um you <laughs> know t- t- tracy's phone it's like one of those old school things like you remember jerry Maguire when he's getting all the calls while he's on the phone with cuba gooding jr and it's i got just the headset the the lights, the lights going off yeah, okay. yeah no the lights are just going off he's got like a switchboard operator in the other room that's lily uh, tomlin in the other room yeah exactly no
1: one knows that reference that you got to be over she's at least she's
0: sticking the uh the little yeah, look and yeah, at yeah, dave yeah. Yeah.
1: you transcend
0: generations yeah all right well okay. for tracy pearson i'm david woods geez we went an hour all right uh we'll yep. talk to you again next time and next time fun. maybe tomorrow who knows yeah okay see y'all